Who am I? Naomi is the new hit series that's got all the buzz. You have power I have never felt before. Critics are calling it unbelievably charming. Captivating. A delight to watch. Casey Walpole couldn't be more perfect as Naomi. You ready? The question is, are you ready? Get ready to see why. I don't know what is happening to me. Are you a superhero? Superheroes aren't real. What if they are? Naomi, only tonight on The CW. Tonight at 9, only on DCW 50, Washington CW. We're going to be learning Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi, the second piece in Hilchos Yisurei Bia. This is Perek Dalet, Halacha Yud Beis. And Rab Chaim is discussing the issue of Vestos, which means the time of the month or the event which surrounds when a woman generally sees Nida. So uh, it gives us an indication that the Nida is coming. And there are certain halachas that we practice even today that the husband and the wife have to separate before that time. And there's a debate in the Gemara, is that rule the Oraisa, it comes from the Torah, or is it Rabban, and the rabbis enacted it. So Rab Chaim's discussing what the exact meaning of that debate is. The Rambam says, Man is not allowed to be with his wife close to her vessels, because there's a concern that she might see the blood, she might become a nida during their relations. The Rambam quotes a Pasuk in Vayikra, Tesvav Lamed Aleph. The Torah says you should warn the Jewish people regarding the impurities. So that warning, according to the Rambam, is a reference to the laws of Vesas. Now, Reb Chaim quotes from the Magid Mishnah that the laws of Vesas are actually Midra Banan, and the Rambam himself says that later on in Parak Ches. So, this that the Rambam quotes a Pasuk as the source for the prohibition, he says is an Asmachta Alma very often when something is referenced in the Torah, but it's actually Rabbinic, so we call it an Asmachta. It's just a hint, it's some sort of reference, but it's not actually the source for the prohibition. So, in the same way, the Rambam is just quoting a reference to this in the Torah, but it's not the source of the prohibition. The prohibition is actually Midra Banan. But Rab Chaim is bothered with a question on this because in the Gemara in Shavuos and Daf Yud Ches, the Gemara makes a distinction between a man who was being with his wife and she became a Nida, whether or not he has to bring a carbon on that. And the Gemara says that if it was not during the Vesas time, so then he's an Ones. He made a total mistake. There's no way for him to know and therefore he doesn't have to bring a carbon. But if it was around the Vesas, so he shouldn't have been with her, even though he didn't intend to be with Anida, but still he did something wrong enough that he has to bring a carbon. And this same halacha appears in the Rambam, so we see that Vesas makes a difference with regard to the carbon, which is certainly a Doraisa principle. So if the whole idea of Vesas is only Drabanan, what difference should it make when it comes to bringing a carbon? So the Gemara in Shavuos, this distinction between whether the man was with his wife and it's her Vesas or not, seems to indicate that Vesas is a Doraisa concept, not Drabanan. So in order to explain this, Rab Chaim says that when the Rambam says that Vesas is Drabanan, it doesn't mean that the whole concept of Vesas was only invented by the rabbis and Midoraisa, there's no meaning to the Vesas or there's no difference between the Vesas time or not. 
And the proof for this is that the Rambam later on in Hilchsi Surabiya in Parak Vav Halacha Vav is discussing how we determine whether a woman becomes a Nida or a Zava. There are two different Halachas in the Torah when a woman sees blood. Sometimes she becomes a Nida, sometimes she becomes a Zava. So the general rule is that the Nida is seven days and then Zava is the 11 days after the Nida. So for most of the Rishonim, the way to count this is that we once a woman sees blood, the seven days of Nida start, then the 11 days of Zava start, and then it stops until the next time she sees blood. According to the Rambam, it's a bit more complicated. It's a continuous cycle. So it, it goes seven days of Nida, then 11 of Zava, then immediately back to seven days of Nida, then immediately back to Zava. So a woman has to continuously be counting whether she's in the seven days of Nida or the 11 days of Zava. Now, the question is, at what point does this start? It can't be from the day she's born. It, it, there has to be some start date. So the Rambam explains, All the life of a woman, from the day she establishes her vessus until she dies, or if the vessus is moved to another time, so from the beginning of that vessus, she will count forever seven days of Nida, then 11, then 7, then 11. Because the whole life of a woman is seven days of Nida, followed by 11 days of Ziva, followed by 7, 11, 7, 11, continuously. So the Rambam here makes the whole counting of the Nida and the Zova cycle dependent on the Vesas. Now, Rab Chaim points out that there is some confusion about what the word Vesas means. It's used in different contexts to mean different things. So even in Perak Vav, in Halacha Beis, a little earlier from the Halacha we just discussed, the Rambam uses the word Vesas, and the meaning of it is the time that we expect a woman to see, the normal time that she sees blood. But in Perak Vav, Halacha Vav, when the Rambam's describing how to count the Nida and the Zava period, he means it a little differently. He means that this is the established time when she sees. So we know that this has become her Vesas. And this meaning, Rab Chaim says, is very apparent in the Rambam, even later in Parak Ches, in Halacha Tes and Yud. So the Rambam is talking about, let's say, an unusual case where a woman has a Vesas and then she becomes a Nida. And then seven days after that, she has 11 days of Zava. But then she starts seeing blood during those times. So how does that affect her Vesas? So the Rambam gives us certain principles that, in general, the Vesas is not going to change once she's already started seeing. But then the Rambam adds that if she does see during the 11 days of Zava, when she shouldn't be seeing ordinarily, so then that might impact the Vesas. So we do have to be concerned with that. So from all of this, says Rab Chaim, it becomes evident that the Rambam is saying that the whole count of the Nida and the Zava depends on when the Vesas was created. And the Magid Mishnah himself says that there. And again, this Vesas has a meaning that she already saw. We know that that was her time to see. And it's certainly a concept Midoraisa because the count of Nida and Zava is a Doraisa. So uh, when 
we talk about Vesas in that context, it's a Din Doraisa. So if so, what is this whole debate in the Gemara whether Vesas is Drabanan or Doraisa? How could anyone hold its Drabanan? So Rab Chaim explains that that's actually a fairly limited Machlokas. It's talking about whether we have to be concerned for Tumah, for the laws of impurity of Tumah and Tahara that maybe this woman saw and became a Nida during the time of her Vesas, whether we backtrack anything she might have touched is going to be Tame. But the whole machlokas and the whole opinion that Vestos is Draban and is only talking about where we don't know with certainty that she saw, we're expecting her to see now. So there are some halachas that become relevant because of that concept of Vestos. And that, according to one opinion, is only Drabanan and the Rambam holds like that. But when we're talking about a woman who actually saw and this now became her Vestos, so that, according to everyone, is Doraisa. And that's almost explicit in the Torah because we have to be able to count the days of need and the days of Zava, which are dependent on that concept of Vesas. And Rab Chaim says that this makes sense of the comparison that the Gemara makes between Vesas and the concept of Shor Hamuad. When an ox goes ahead and gores three times, so he's transformed into an ox that we expect to gore, and the owner should be more careful, and if not, they have to pay more. So Rab Chaim says the concept of Shor Hamuad is not that once we know this ox gores, the owners now need to be careful and expect him to gore again. But the, the halacha is that if he does gore, then the owners have to pay more because this goring was done by a transformed ox, by a Shor Hamuad. So in the same way, says Rab Chaim, Vesas Midoraisa is not that she has to be concerned maybe she's going to see, but rather, once she sees, then her status has been transformed, and that vessus is midoraisa. Same as the Shor Hamuad, that it's not just about being concerned and assuming that it's going to happen, but uh, once it happens, so then that act that happened by a Shor Hamuad is different than if it had happened from a regular Shor, Shor Tom. So in the same way, once a woman has a Vesas, then Midoraisa, things have changed. And that's what the whole machlokas of whether Vesas, Drabonan, or Doraisa is. Do we extend this basic concept of Doraisa, Vesas, once she sees, also to a case where she hasn't seen yet, but she's expecting to see. So one position holds that that's also Doraisa, and the other position holds that that was just the Rabbanan adding on to the Doraisa concept of Vesas. So that explains how we're able to make the whole counting of the Nida and the Zava dependent on a Vesas, even though those are Doraisa halachas. Says Rab Chaim, once we know that there is a concept of Vesas Doraisa, so then this makes sense of the Gemara and Shvuos, which distinguishes between whether it's her Vesas time or not with regard to a carbon. Because even though that's talking about whether or not they have to be concerned that she might see, she hasn't seen yet in that case, so according to one position, it's only Drabanan. But still, says Rab Chaim, the fact that the concept of Vesas, once she sees, is going to be Doraisa, then it already means that it's not a pure onus. If they are having relations around that time, and then she goes into Nida, so we can't call that a pure onus, that they should have had no idea what was coming. Because the Torah did say that once she sees, that is going to be considered her Vesas. So there is a concept that this is her time to see. 
and that that's going to change her status. It's going to make this her veses period. And so that's not considered an onus. In halacha, that's considered closer to a shogeg, that it's something they should have been concerned about. Even though the Torah didn't mandate, according to this position, that they separate from each other before the veses, but it's enough to make it that if she sees it's out of the concept of ones, and instead it's considered a shogi. So that Gemara, which makes this distinction, could be going even according to the position that Vestos Ardrabanan, the Rambam's Psak. Even so, if it's the time of the Vesas, then there is a carbon because it's a shogeg. If it's not the time of the Vesas, then we can view it as an actual ones. So the halacha that Vesas is Doraisa, once she sees, is going to affect the carbon even before she sees. And now, finally, coming back to the Rambam we began with, says Rab Chaim that we could explain this differently from the Magid Mishnah, who said that the whole halacha of Vestos is Drabanan and the Pasuk of the Hizartem is only an Asmachta. Says Rab Chaim, according to this analysis, the Pasuk of the Hizartem is actually telling us the halacha Doraisa that we do need to be careful about Vestos, even Midoraisa. So even though when it comes to Tuma and when it comes to being worried that she touched something and maybe it became Tameh before we know for sure that she saw there there's a position that Vestos Drabanan. But uh, once we see from the case of Karban that a man should be cautious around the time of his wife's Vesas so that also becomes a Halacha Doraisa according to everybody. So the Torah itself is extending that since there is a concept of Vesas once she does see so even beforehand, they need to be cautious about it. That's the whole meaning of the Hizartim, that warn them that they have to safeguard against Tuma. So that applies to a man and not being with his wife during the time of the Vesas, even before she actually sees. So that's why the Rambam invokes this halacha of the Torah in order to prove his halacha that a man should separate from his wife right before the Vesas. So that's Rab Chaim's uh, analysis of the whole concept of Vestos Rabbanan. And according to Rab Chaim, there's basically three categories. There's the issue of whether we have to be concerned that her vesus is going to come with regard to the tuma, if it, we don't know that she saw yet, do we backtrack and say things she touched beforehand would be tame? That is a machlokas, whether it's Doraes or Drabanan, and the Rambam rules that that's Drabanan. But then there are two other cases where it's clear that it's Doraisa. One is the man separating from his wife before the vesus. That is going to be a halacha de oraisa, because we have to be concerned during the vesus that maybe she's going to see. And uh, that flows out from the third idea, which is if she does see and it creates a veses, this is her time to see, so then that would be considered a do-raisa. Now, Rab Chaim says this distinction without quoting any earlier authorities to this, but uh, there's actually a lot of literature about this. Uh, famously, the note of Yehuda in Yoradeya Madura Kama Simen Nun Hei, so he makes basically the same distinction as Rab Chaim, and he's very excited about this. He says, uh, he calls it, Alpima Shechidashti Dover Nifla, what I said, which is an incredible thing. Uh, later on in Simenon Zion, he's even more exuberant about this. And he says, Yesh I have a very beautiful distinction that uh, sometimes it's Daraisa, sometimes it's Drabonan. Nobody ever came up with this before me. None of the Rishonim, none of the Achronim. Uh, we'll see later on that uh, possibly some Rishonim did say it. 
But uh, since the note of Yehuda says this distinction a little differently, so we'll try to go through how he formulates it. He begins with the same problem that Rab Chaim does, which is this pasuk of the Hizartem seems to imply that it's Doraisa. So how could somebody hold that Vesis is only Drabanan? And he quotes the same approach of the Magid Mishnah. He says that the Raivid and the Ran and the Rashba quoted in the Beis Yosef and Simon Kuf Peidalat and Yeridea, they all say that it's an Asmachta. It's just a reference to it, but it's not the source. Uh, but the Nodib Yehuda points out that the Rambam that Rab Chaim starts with seems to say that it's Minat Torah, it's Doraisa, and the Tosos also seems to say that. So the way the Nodib Yehuda explains it is that the whole Machlokas, whether Vesis is Doraisa or Drabanan, is only with regard to the laws of Tuma. Are we concerned that she made things Tame before we know that she saw Nida? And the reason for that, says the Nodib Yehuda, is because we have a clash of Chazakas. On the one hand, we have a Chazaka Oreach Bismano Ba, that the guest comes at the right time, uh, which means that the Nida blood is going to come when it's expected. So there is a Chazaka that she did become Tame. But against that, she has a Chazkas Tara. Up until now, we know her to be Tahor, that she hasn't seen. So these two chazakas clash, and according to the position of Vestos Drabanan, uh, Mido Raisa, we say since there's a clash of chazakas, we can't rule that she changed and became Tameh. Only Midrabanan do we have to be concerned with that. But, says the Nodib Yehuda, that does not apply to the halacha of the husband being together with his wife, because there we don't apply that she has a chazaka that she's taught her up until now. And the reason is because since any moment it could change, so we have to be cautious that maybe her status changed and she became a nida. And the example that the Nodib Yehuda says to explain this, this will make it clearer, is that the Gemara in Gitin says that we're not concerned that maybe a guy died because we have a chazaka that he's alive. So we don't have to be concerned that maybe he already died. But maybe he's going to die. In other words, the concern that any moment he could die, that we do have to be concerned with because even though he's alive, at any moment that could change. So we see that there's a difference between being concerned whether something happened, whether it has changed, that we don't apply when there's a chazaka going against it, versus being concerned that something will change where chazaka of what's been going on up until now is not sufficient because we know that it's going to change. So in the same way, says the Nodib Yehuda, we apply this to a case of Nida. We don't have to be concerned that she, her chazaka has changed and she did see blood and maybe she made things tameh because since we know that she was tahor up until now, we don't have to be concerned that it did change. But for the fact that she might change at any moment, that we certainly have to be concerned with because the chazaka that she did not see blood is made to change at any moment. At any moment, she could see and become a nida. So that's why, says the Nodib Yehuda, even the position that Vestos Drabanan, that we don't have to be concerned that she made things Tameh because she might have seen in the past, but the husband is still prohibited from being with his wife, Mida Oraisa, right before the Vestas, because at any moment she could change, and for that the Chazaka won't help. So this is effectively the same distinction that Rab Chaim made between Tuma and the husband being with his wife right before the Vesses, that everyone would agree that that's an Iser do Raisa, but the Nodib Yehuda plays around more with how the Chazakas clash and how they play out in this case. Now, in the Machon Yerushalayim edition of the Nodib Yehuda, so in the back they quote a huge amount of footnotes and the huge amount of discussion of this Chiddush of the Nodib Yehuda, and they quote that a number of Svarim are bothered by this comparison between whether someone's going to die or whether a woman's going to see Nida. 
And it goes both ways. On the one hand, every person is going to die. So uh, there's no person who's going to avoid that possibility. But not every woman is still going to see blood. Sometimes the blood is over. So it's not clear that we can compare it that way. And the other way, the comparison is also problematic because a person only dies once. It's a very unusual thing. But the seeing blood is something that happens more frequently. And in addition, we have some suspicion as to when she's going to see it. For someone to die, we don't really know when to expect it. So there is some problem with this comparison that the Nota Behuda makes. Now, they also quote that the Chasm Sofer was a very big believer in this distinction that the Nota Behuda makes, that everyone's going to hold that the husband is prohibited mida oraisa to his wife right before her vessus. And the Chasm Sofer in a number of places quotes this from his Rebbe, Reb Nassan Adler. This is in Chuvis Chasm Sofer in Yoridea at the end of Simen Kuf Samech Dalid, at the end of Simen Kuf Samech Vav. In Simen Kuf Ayin and also at the end of Simen Kuf Ayin Tes. So in many places he says this. And the Pischei Tshuva in Yerdei and Simen Kuf Pei Dalid, Sifkotin Gimel, also quotes from the Chasim Sofer and uh, that the Nota Behuda holds this, that there is a distinction between Tuma versus the husband being with his wife, which according to everyone would be an Iser Do Raisa. So this is a fairly well-established distinction that Rab Chaim is also saying on his own, it seems, but the Nota Behuda and the Chasim Sofer from his Rebbe Rav Nassim Adler both say this explicitly. Now, as we said, the Nota Behuda says that uh, he never saw this in any earlier authorities, but the Chasim Sofer does say that the Bedek is from the Ra'ah, from Rab Aaron Alevi, that he makes this distinction, and the Pisrei Tshuva discusses that, uh, whether exactly that's what the Ra'ah means. But either way, in the Mechon Yushalayim edition, in footnote 11, they have a long discussion. They quote a number of Sfarim here uh, who point out that there are two other Rishonim who also seem to say this. So according to the Chasim Sofer, we have the Ra'ah. Uh, there's also the Ran in his Chidushim and Shvuas and Dafir Chesim and Aleph on that Gemara that Rab Chaim's discussing. So he seems to say this same distinction the way the Nota Behuda, the Chasim Sofer and Rab Chaim say it. And also there's a number of Svarim who point out to various Rashis where Rashi seems to hint that he also holds like this distinction. So for example, Rashi in Nida and Daftesamad Aleph, when he's explaining what the position that Vestos do Raisa is adding, so he explains that we have to be concerned with regard to her having created Tumah, even from before we knew that she for sure got it. So uh, this seems to indicate that Rashi holds like the note of Yehuda, that when it comes to the husband being prohibited to his wife, everyone holds that that's Do Raisa. That's not what Vestos Do Raisa is adding. That position is just adding that even with regard to the Tuma, we also have to be concerned Mi Do Raisa. Uh, similarly, there's a Rashi in Shvuas and Dafir Chesem Aleph, where Rashi is discussing uh, Rab Chaim's Gemara that he talks about, and he says that there's not going to be punishment for a man who is with his wife if it wasn't the time of the onus. There's not going to be kares or a karban, but he doesn't say that it would be permitted. So it seems that Rashi too holds that it would be prohibited according to everyone, Mido Raisa. The only question is with regard to the punishment. So with Rashi, there's some strong indication that he holds like the Nota Behuda in this regard. And there's some other Rashis that also point in this direction. So uh, either way, many Svarim point out that there does seem to be some strong indication in earlier Rishonim who also held of this distinction. And we have the three possibilities that we just discussed. Now, the Chasim Sofer points out that Tosos himself 
does not seem to hold like the note of Yehuda. He seems to hold that if Vestos are drabanan, then it includes even that the husband is permitted to his wife midoraisa. It's only midrabanan that a husband is prohibited right before the vesas. And the note of Yehuda's tshuva that he's writing in Nunhei is addressed to the base mayor. And the base mayor wrote him back a tshuva, which is published in the Mahon Yerushalayim edition in Simen Nun Vav. And there the base mayor also points out that Tosos seems to disagree with this distinction and holds that if it's Vestos Drabanan, so then even the husband's prohibition to his wife is only Midrabanan. So there is a lot of discussion about this issue that Rab Chaim is raising. Rab Chaim is standing in a long, distinguished line of the major Gdole Rishonim, Gdole Achronim. Uh, certainly the note of Yehuda says essentially the same thing as Rab Chaim, and Rab Nassan Adler is quoted by the Chasim Sofer saying the same thing, and Rab Chaim says it in the Shittas HaRambam. Uh, as we said, there's strong indication that Rashi, the Ran, and the Ra'ah all also held this way. Uh, this is uh, against Tosvos and the Beismeyer and the other Achronim who discuss that this might not be the case, uh, who hold that there is no difference between the Tumah and the husband being prohibited to his wife, if you hold that Vestos are Drabanan, then both of them would be Drabanan. So in general, this is a very well-discussed issue, and again, there's pages and pages in the Mahon Yerushalayim edition of the Note of Yehuda in the back about uh, many, many dozens of Svarim who all discuss this issue that Reb Chaim raises.